Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I'm here in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Shalom. Nick. And uh, we are studying the Torah portion, Naso, which means count. This can be found in the book of Numbers, chapter 4, verse 21, through chapter 7, verse 89. Lots of verses to go through today, but we're going to make it in time, I bet. You know, this is interesting because Numbers is basically the journey to God's restland. And there are three key words found in the book of Numbers. Uh, the word service, war, and wilderness. Service, war, and wilderness. This is all about your walk, folks. This is all about your walk. We can learn a lot from this. Uh, just to break this book down into three parts or three sections, uh, we have the preparation for the journey at Sinai. And this happened uh, within a few weeks. And we have chapters one through nine in regard to this first part of the book of Numbers. Once again, at Sinai, preparation for the journey, a few weeks. Uh, we move on to Moab. Uh, this is about the journey. Now, this particular part of the story takes 39 years, about 39 years. Uh, this kicks off uh, in the second part from chapter 10, verse 11, all the way through chapter 21 in verse 4. Once again, this, this particular part of the story takes place uh, to Moab. Uh, it's the journey. Uh, 42 encampments to be uh, correct, and it takes about 39 years. Uh, lastly, uh, they are at Moab. This is the third part of the story. At Moab, at the gate to the land. At the gate to the land. <clears throat> Ryan, this takes place in within just a few months. And we're going to be leading up to this uh, end of the story. And, and one of the things that we can really see uh, in, 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 in hindsight is the fact that Uh, As we compare today's times to those times, uh, we have a next generation that's actually going into the promised land. So the two things that they're going to be facing, this generation, us included, uh, is, of course, the the occult uh, dealing with Balaam, uh, the false prophet, and uh, sexual immorality. Um, And and so once again, this is at the gate to the land. They're right there, Ryan, and, and they blow it. This generation blows it. A lot of them, 20,000, I believe, are, are, are killed. And this takes place oh. within a few months. So this reminds me, it's not how you start, but how you finish. That's right. So the book of Numbers is very, 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 very relevant. And uh, I would encourage you to read the book of Numbers and look at your cross-reference, get a really good Bible with great cross-references, and begin to find those cross-references in the New Testament. Because even to the Corinthian church, Paul makes mention of of these five tests that we will all face uh, in the last days to the Corinthian church. I don't have time to get into all that. So we're going to kick off with NASO, which is count. Uh, we just had the census and everything. We're moving on here. And uh, we're going to go into uh, the priesthood, age, and responsibilities. This section is about priesthood, age, and responsibilities. <clears throat> so what was the age group for those Levites who could serve in the tabernacle? Numbers 423. Uh, it starts at age 30 and ends at age 50. 30 to 50. Now that doesn't mean that to stop at 50. It just means that they're no longer like and, in the regular yeah. service. And, and just a little reminder, and I, I don't 
have all the references, but I, I will share, uh, after almost 19 years of studying the Torah, I've discovered quite a few things. Um, the law first mentioned would tell us in Numbers 4.3 that the age of 30 was the beginning of the priesthood. They're reiterating this in Numbers 4.23. But I want to remind everyone as we move forward, even in next week's portion, <clears throat> in Numbers 8.24, the age is dropped down to 25. Very interesting. Uh, even more interesting is the fact that the uh, uh, it drops down to the age of 20 in First Chronicles chapter 23, verse 24 and 27. So we go from 30 to 25 to 20. And, and the Bible doesn't contradict itself. I, I believe there was a real need for the priests to help the people. They couldn't wait for them to be 30. You know, that's the law first mentioned, by the way. Right. Uh, because that's when Yeshua began his ministry. Go that's back right. and look at it for yourself. Uh, not 20, not 25, but 30, he began his ministry. So, well, and then uh, there's something there's, to think about. There's good, better, best, <clears throat> right? In, in some of these scenarios where God's not saying, like, this is the way that this is exactly has to be done, so, the, so dogmatic. But there's a good, better, best scenario. And obviously, if Yeshua is going to come and he's going to keep Torah, then he's going to do it in the best of all the scenarios. You know, Ryan, and that's the thing the Lord is really showing me just not even maybe a week ago, that there's a better way. Oh, yeah. And when we when we stop and look at our life, and, and a lot of us don't do that until we're older, like myself. I've turned 51 on May 11th. And, um, and I was just thinking, you know, and I'm inspired to share this, that there is a better way. There's oh, yeah. a better way to live. There's That's a better right. way to do things. And through wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the Holy Spirit, we can find those ways, Ryan. And that's what's, that's what's really cool. Uh, we're going to get through this. Uh, the Gershonites were actually responsible uh, for the uh, badger skins of the tabernacle. And, of course, all the tapestries. That's the Gershonites. Uh, of course, they were, of course, camped out with Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin or Benjamin. Uh, the Merarites or Merari were responsible for the boards uh, bars, pillars, sockets, etc. And of course, uh, it's not mentioned here in this particular portion, but the Kohathites were responsible for the six pieces of furniture. They had to carry it themselves. You know, Mike Cromwell <clears> made, <throat> the, made the comment last night that the Merariites were in charge of the hardware and the Gershonites were in charge of the software. But that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, okay. Who says the Torah is not relevant okay, for today? I see that. Yeah, you know, tapestries are soft. They are. Now, how many Levites from each family listed below were counted from the ages of 30 to 50? We have Numbers chapter 4, verse 36, 40, and 44. Uh, the Kohathites, uh, numbered 2,750. Uh, Gershonites, uh, 2,630. Uh, the Merarites, or Merari, uh, 3,200. Uh, once again, the responsibilities of these priests were the following. The Kohathites were responsible for the furniture. Gershon was responsible for tapestry. And the Merari were responsible for the boards, pillars, sockets, etc. <clears throat> now we move into... Something very interesting. Uh, question number five in the uh, Torah questionnaire, numbers five, two. The children of Israel were commanded to put out of the camp three types of people. List the three reasons. So um, the first group of people to put outside of the camp were the lepers. So every leper. Uh, number two is everyone that has an issue. Boy... <laughs> That, that's an Everyone issue. that has an issue. Yeah. Whosoever <clears throat> is defiled by the, the dead. cleanness laws. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, I think the issue is an issue of blood, because I think every other time it's mentioned, it's talking about issues of blood. But um, It's uh, other issues. Right. It could be other issues, you think? Yeah. People oh, yeah. With, people if with you issues. go back and study the uh, what uncleanness truly is, and even in, in, in leprosy, uh, different things, yeah, there's there's... All kinds of interesting things in there in that regard. So that's kind of the catch-all. Ceremonial cleansing is what we're talking about right. here. They're, 
moving on now, we, we have uh, those three things, of course, uh, unclean people, you know, the leper, uh, the issue, and of course, defiled by the dead, uh, this or ceremonial cleansing. Uh, moving on now, if you committed a trespass, what else did you have to pay back besides the principal amount in Numbers 5-7? Uh, 20% or one-fifth. And this is mentioned over and over and over again about restitution. So it's Right. And so we can trespass against God, and we can trespass against each other. That's right. So this is very interesting. Once, once they get all of these things set up, they do the census, and we're going to tie all this in at the end. <clears throat> they have the census, they count the people, they arrange them in the camps. And then, of course, we have the duties of the priests. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And all of a sudden, what happens now? Now they're saying, okay, now that you have this all set up, this can't be going on in your, in your midst. Right. In your congregation. Yeah, it's not okay. So this is a great way to pray, Ryan, that we just pray away the unclean spirits, the unclean life, and that the Holy Spirit would come into our presence and just clean us up. Oh, Amen. yeah. It's a car wash. It's a spirit wash. Now, all of a sudden, we go from, you know, uncleanness to trespasses to now we're in the story of the spirit of jealousy. Now, here's some subject matter. Did a man have the right to bring his wife before the priest if the man had the spirit of jealousy? Numbers 5, 14, and 15. Oh, yes. Now, once again, you know, this is very interesting. And I know this can go both ways towards the man as well. But it's mentioning uh, the spouse uh, as, as a female, as the wife. <clears throat> now, Ryan, this is very interesting. I was reading some commentary in the Humash, and it was making reference to uh, let's say there's a man and a woman in a room. Right. Okay. And there's nobody else in the room. And then the man comes out and then the woman comes out and, you know, whether it's here at the church or whatever, you know, we, we have to be careful that we don't give the appearance of evil or we don't have vain imaginations be put out there because we, we allowed it to happen. And that's why you got to be very careful when you're alone with the opposite sex or what's the circumstances or the situation, you know, and, and Ryan, this is interesting because this is a situation about the spirit of jealousy that God allows to play out because, uh, you establish everything on two or three witnesses. Right. But now this is a, like a speculation or a vain imagination. There could be some truth to it. So this is one of the examples where you don't need two or three witnesses right. with the spirit of jealousy. Sure. And and, and we're going to tie all this in at the end, but this is very interesting. Um, in Numbers 5.15, what did the offering consist of for a married woman accused of being unfaithful, Ryan? What so, is it? So it's a, uh, this is in Numbers 5.15, and it's a tenth part of an ephah of barley meal. Uh, he shall pour no oil upon it, nor put frankincense thereon, for it is an offering of jealousy. Now, I was listening to uh, a podcast, I think it was an Olive Beta podcast, and they were talking about um, this same law and or the set of laws or, or guidelines regarding the law of jealousy and it, and it, it is very interesting how uh this is really about a marriage on the rocks right that uh this is a way for uh and what was interesting is that both parties in, involved had to be kind of entrenched in their position and you mentioned that the witnesses you know their witness being alone in a room because you mentioned the commentary um but they're alone, uh, and then there's witnesses to the fact that they were alone. So they, they do it. The, the husband makes a comment about, hey, I don't like you doing X, Y, or Z. And then they do it again and have witnesses to it. And that's when the, the whole Sarah, you know thing gets brought before the yeah. priest. And I was just like kind of blown away at this whole complicated you know process that seemed very odd. Um, but at the same time was something that is like, okay. And it's questioning your, your, your fidelity. Correct. 
Correct. Versus infidelity. Right. All right. Numbers 517. Uh, Ryan's going to read that verse. Numbers 517. All right, here we go. It says, And the priest shall take holy water in an earthen vessel, and of the dust that is in the floor of the tabernacle, the priest shall take and put it into the water. So here he's making this concoction, right? With with the dust that is in the floor of the tabernacle, <clears throat> with some water. And uh, in Numbers chapter 5, verses 19 through 22, did the woman have to make an oath to the priest before drinking the water? Yes. She had to make an oath, whether she was guilty or not. You were not guilty of these charges. She would say yes or no. <clears throat> now, what two things would happen to the woman if she were guilty? Numbers 5, 21 through 22 and verse 27. What two things would happen to the woman if she were guilty? Her thigh would rot and her belly would swell. Now, we're going to see the contrast here in the very next question uh, in regard to this, um, you know, Someone would say capital punishment or <clears throat> or death, but I would like to submit to you that um, I think one of the judgments here is going to be a barren womb. You won't be able to bear children. Once again, the thigh to rot, the belly to swell, uh, a barren womb. And the reason why I say this is because um, uh, Ryan's going to read Numbers 5.28, uh, the contrast. Uh, a barren womb versus this particular verse. And it says, And if the woman be not defiled, but be clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive seed. And I guess this brings to mind the fact that if a woman were barren, then maybe the people around her were considering that it might be because she was unfaithful in some way, shape, or form. You know, this is interesting, Ryan, because, you know, we, we can't really expound on this because, you know... There's not a lot we, of info, right? Well, the thing is, we, we want to take the Torah literally. Right. So that's really what we're trying to do here is to take it literally. Uh, we could delve deeper. We know the Jewish people have a lot more insight than we do. Amen. We are not scholars by Correct. far. Matter of fact, I would say that we are a workshop, not a showcase. Correct. You know what I'm saying? We're a workshop, a work in progress, uh, not a showcase. So we want to make that very clear. We're not Torah scholars or anything. We just love the Torah. The, the, our congregation has been doing the Torah portions for 19 years, and uh, we know just enough to be dangerous. Yes. But here we go into the Nazarite vow, Ryan. We go right out of the spirit of jealousy into the Nazarite vow. Good news. What a contrast. Right. Accusations versus, hey, I want to separate myself. Completely. And sanctify myself through yeah. the Nazarite vow. Uh, question number 13, number 6-2. This is awesome. Uh, could a man or a woman take a Nazarite vow and separate themselves to the Lord? Yes. Yes, they could. A man or a woman can take that Nazarite vow. Very, very good. <clears throat> and now... Uh, we're going to look at the uh, things that make up the Nazarite vow, the things that must be avoided in Numbers chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. Uh, this what it, are the things that have to be avoided. Uh, number one, no grapes. Uh, number two, no razor upon your head. Uh, and number three, no contact with a dead body. Three is divine, it's of the Lord, so no grapes, no razor upon your head, no contact with a dead body. So let's look at this Nazarite vow and, and see what we can find here. Uh, Numbers 6-7, uh, I'm going to have Ryan read that particular scripture. And it says, He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother, for his brother or for sister, or for his sister, when they die, because the consecration of his God is upon his head. Awesome. Notice, because the consecration of his God is upon his head. You know, it's like going to another level, going to the next level with God. 
you know, we do certain things and then there's fasting and there's praying and now there's the Nazarite vow. Uh, these are exciting things. Um, question number 16 in the Torah questionnaire. Numbers chapter 6 verses 11 and 12. What three offerings were needed for a person who took on a Nazarite vow and who came into contact with a dead person? So remember now, you're not supposed to touch a dead person. You're not supposed That's to have right. any contact with a dead body. So, so what are the offerings that are going to be needed in the event that that happens? All right, so there's three offerings that, that are going to be needed. A sin offering, a burnt offering, and a trespass offering. Um, and that's what they would bring in order to begin the Nazarite vow. All right, here we go. Check this out. This is so cool. We're talking about ceremonial things here. We're talking about principles. These are the steps that we need to take. You know what I love about the Torah, Ryan? It slows you down. It makes you think. You got to take the steps. And you just can't rush in there and do things. I love it. Uh, number 612, if the person became defiled by coming into contact with a dead body while in the midst of fulfilling the Nazarite vow, would they have to start over the Nazarite vow? Yeah, absolutely. You got to start over. It's a do-over. You know, right. Well, if you were mean, golfers like a mulligan, it's a do-over. Right. You got to start over. And that's what a lot of us need to do in our life. We need to start over sometimes. Um, number 69, did the person who made a Nazarite vow and who became defiled by a dead body have to shave his head? Right. So the, it's, that's the way they would show that they're starting over. They right. Their head. They would shave their head. Uh, very interesting. Once again, no grapes, no razor to your head, and of course, no contact with a dead body. Those are the three requirements for the Nazarite vow. Uh, Numbers chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. Here we go. Uh, this is the good news. What three offerings did the person fulfilling the Nazarite vow have to bring when the days of their separation were fulfilled? Uh, so this time it's going to be a burnt offering, a sin offering, and a peace offering. So the peace offering replaces the trespass offering in this case. For the do-over. Right. Very good. Once again, the peace offering is the only offering that the... Uh, this is for the do-over or this is for when once they're done with the Nazarite vow? This, this is, is when the they're done with okay. the Nazarite vow. Yeah, we discuss what happens when you have to do-over. But uh, like you said, the peace offering replaces the the, uh, the, the trespass offering. So here we have the uh, burn offering, sin offering, and peace offering at the conclusion of your Nazarite vow. You've, you've concluded it. You've finished it. And it's awesome. It's excellente. Excellent. So, uh, once again, the peace offering is the only offering that you get to eat from uh, as well. Uh, and we're going to look at Numbers 618. What did they do with the hair from the person that fulfilled a Nazarite vow? This is interesting. They put it in the fire, which is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. Very good. So, it, it's, not, it, it, it's all coming together. Uh, we have a little note here. I have a little note here. Uh, some examples of a Nazarite vow can be found uh, in the book of Judges with Samson. Uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 25, especially uh, verse 25. It talks about the spirit of the Lord came upon him. You know, he did great exploits. So once again, Delilah cut his hair. He lost his power. You know, mm -hmm. all part of the Nazarite vow. Uh, unwise associations. Remember that, people. Uh, so Samson uh, was born into the Nazarite vow uh, from the Lord, and that's what was put upon him uh, from the Lord. And that's what happens in a lot of situations with children in the Bible sometimes. God has this mandate for a way for them to live, and, and they live it out because that's what the Lord wants them to do. Uh, just like Jeremiah was told that he would not marry and have children. You know, very interesting. You know, that's what the Lord required of him. And Ryan, we are so blessed to be married and have children. And to do the things we're doing, because the scriptures say that we would return us and our children. 
So what's keeping us from coming together? What what is what is happening with all of this? Uh, the prophet uh, Hosea was told to go marry a, marry a prostitute. Uh, how many of you would like to go before your elders of the church and say, "Hey, the Lord told me to marry uh, this loosey goosey woman"? Yeah, uh, they're going to be like, you know, you haven't heard from God. So so Ryan, the thing is that God calls us to a certain walk. You yeah. know, just like we are non-Jews, we believe that we are the house of Joseph or Ephraim, and we are returning. And that's what the Father has placed within our hearts. It's like the Nazarite vow. He's placed that in us. Uh, in reference to the New Testament, is it relevant? Absolutely. Look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, it's believed that he did a Nazarite vow and fulfilled it in Acts 18.18. 18. And then as we go into Acts chapter 21, verses 17 through 26, he actually pays for the Nazarite vows of some gentlemen there in the uh, city of Jerusalem in the temple. So... Which is interesting because then the payment is what? For the sacrifice, right? Well, yeah, because they fulfill it yeah, for the sacrifices, you know, and so we know that Jesus is our sacrifice. But Ryan and I were talking earlier about this, and I just want to make note of this quickly here. Uh, a lot of times when you read the Christian commentary, they're saying, well, you know, uh, Paul did all of these things in regard to the Torah because he was Jewish. But as Christians, we don't have to follow these things. But now, now there's a dilemma because all these people all over the world that are not Jewish want to do these things. So we have a choice. We get to do them. We're not making anybody else do them. But folks, we are moving on because we are past the Nazarite vow now. Well, and, and just like you know, you mentioned, or we mentioned earlier, it's the good, better, best scenario. It, it's it's good to be saved and born again, right? I mean, those, and I would say that you know, the ultimate thing, right, is is, is salvation. But then, as we're sanctified, we have these choices of good, better, best. And and one of the ways of picking the best things is by saying, hey, what did, what did Yeshua choose? What did Paul choose? What did Yeshua do? Very good. That's true. That's true, Ryan. And, and it's not putting the pressure on anybody, really. It's how you really want to choose to right. live your life. Uh, the good news is now, right after the Nazarite vow, we're going to go to the Aaronic blessing. Uh, we can find this in Numbers chapter 6, verses 23 through 27. And I'm going to have Ryan read that in English, the Aaronic blessing that's found right after All the right. Nazarite vow. That's right. So I, I get to, to say this over my children, uh, which is awesome. And it says here in verse 23, uh, through 27, speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Wow, put my name upon the children of Israel. Isn't that incredible? And um, we actually... Uh, close out every service on Shabbat with the ironic blessing, and um, and we sing it, and then we, uh, of course, repeat it in English. <clears throat> so here we are. Now we're going to the next level, Ryan. The offerings at the tabernacle dedication. Uh, question number twenty-two in Numbers seven three. Uh, what was brought to Moses by the tribal leaders of Israel? Uh, an offering of six covered wagons and twelve oxen. Uh, a wagon for two of the princes and an ox for each one. And then uh, what did Moses do with the offering? He gave it to the Levites uh, in Numbers 7, 6. And then uh, the question here then in uh, number 24 is, how was the offering divided among the Levites uh, for Numbers 7, uh, 7 through 8? And, and here we go. So the first thing is the two wagons and four oxen to the sons of Gershon four wagons and eight oxen to the sons of Merari, 
Um, and and the the next question twenty five is why did not the sons of Kohath get anything? And uh, number seven nine it says because the service of the sanctuary was that they should bear upon their shoulders, meaning that rather than carrying the furniture on uh, on wagons, wagons or, carts. or carts or anything like that, that they would actually hold them and walk them by foot. Um, and then uh, ch- number twenty six on the day the altar was anointed. Did the tribal leaders want to give an offering for the altar's dedication? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely. Uh, And then here we go in in Numbers 7, uh, verses 10 through 88. We've got a nice long list. It says, list the offering that each of the tribes brought for 12 consecutive days. And here we go. They brought one silver charger, one silver bowl, fine flour uh, mingled with oil for a meat offering, uh, one spoon of 10 shekels of gold full of incense, uh, one young bullock, one ram, uh, one lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, one kid of the goats for a sin offering, and for a sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs of the first year, and five lambs of the first year. Boy, See, that's awesome. So there's, there's the... And of course, here is the the listing of the twelve tribes that did this. And in, in number seven, we have Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Reuben, Simeon, Gad, Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. Now, once again, all of these tribes are represented by a leader, and they all brought the same gift, hmm. so nobody could outdo anybody. I like it. So they were equal. Equal measures there. I love that. <clears throat> so we're going to look at, of course, Numbers uh, 789. Uh, this is actually the very last verse in this Torah portion. And then I'm going to share with you a little nugget that was given to me yesterday for all of you that are listening to this podcast. Uh, number 789, Ryan's going to read that. You know, when you say nugget, I haven't had uh, a lot of meat lately. And so I've just been trying to eat healthy, you know. I like that. It makes me I think, think of chick- great. makes me think of chicken nuggets, you know. I know. A little Chick-fil-A. All right, I won't give you a nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a gold nugget. Gold nugget. All right, here we go. An uh, <laughs> number Let me seven. Share my epiphany. There we go. Uh, numbers chapter seven, verse eighty-nine. This is the last verse in the Torah portion. And here we go. And when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him, then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from off the mercy seat that was upon the ark of testimony, from between the two cherubims, and he spake unto him. Wow. Man, so you're telling me this tour portion ends with a suspenseful cliffhanger? Dun, dun, dun. You know, Ryan, the more obedient we are, the more we can hear from God. You know, and, and some people, you know, they want to try to talk us out of the things that we're doing. But it's like, it seems like the more obedient I am, the, the better my life is, right. you know, and it's for me. It's oh, for, for my sure. family and for the church. So I want to share with all of you an incredible incredible epiphany that happened to me yesterday as I was studying this particular Torah portion. You know, in all you're getting, get understanding. That That's what the proverb says, Ryan. In all you're getting, get understanding. So what I want to do at this point is to kind of break down Naso uh, in Bamidbar, the two Torah portions. Not so fast. Naso. I'm <laughs> just kidding. You know, Nasa. It's the Bahamas. Oh, yeah. So, so I want to share something with all of you that are listening to this podcast because, you know, like I said, I, I've been involved in the Hebrews of the Christian faith since 1995. Spring of 1995 is when I first celebrated my, my first Pesach or feast day of Passover and, and discovered through the revelation and the study of the scriptures and meeting the Dreyer family that I was, in fact, grafted into the olive tree and I was Ephraim, a non-Jew, 
uh, one of the people from the nations that's not Jewish coming back into the fold of the Commonwealth of Israel. Come on, somebody. Come on, so, somebody. So here's the situation. I love it when I figure out how things work. When, when, when things uh, come into my life that I'm not real sure about, how does this work, how does that work? I love it when, when, when the Lord begins to show me how things work. So I want to give all of you a little bit of an update on this movement. I want you to think about this because, you know, we've got some symptoms here. We, we, we need the diagnosis. So I want to lay out for you a template that's found in the book of Numbers. A template found in the book of Numbers, of course, in, in NASA, the count. Uh, this was given to me yesterday like an epiphany. And I want to break it down for you because we need to have a diagnosis. We've got some symptoms going on in this movement. We need to figure out what are we supposed to be doing. So I want to break it down for you. Step one, there's a census. Now, in the Hebrews of the Christian faith, there's a lot of people involved in this movement, right? That's right. Yeah. Who do we and have? And so the question is, really, how many people? Yeah. I mean, we, the Bible basically says you can't even count them. So step one is a census. So there are people in the Hebrews of the Christian faith, but we don't know how many. But how many are there? Step number two is the arrangement. Notice that they were encamped around the tabernacle, Ryan. They were arranged, what? Three tribes on each side. Like to the west was Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. And, and I would liken the arrangement to the placing of people. Now, the placing of people is important because that's why Beit Tehillah was created. Uh, even in the book of Romans, Paul makes mention that God puts the members where he wants. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Nick? It means he tells you where to go to church. He tells you what group to hang out with. You know, Ryan, when people tell me, well, I don't really feel called to a group or to the church or whatever, I'd be like, you're crazy. He's called you to be with others. He commands, don't be a vagabond. Don't be a be wanderer. Yeah. So think about this, Ryan. This is really incredible. And this is relevant for Beit Tehillah for those of you that are listening. So step one is a census, how many people. Step two is the arrangement, the placing of people. Now, step number three is very interesting. Very interesting. The Levites are set apart. This is about leadership. And this entails different ministries with duties. Okay. Different ministries with duties. Like Ryan heads up the uh, greeters ministry, him and his wife. They do a fantastic job. And, and of course, we have the, the music ministry. We have the usher ministry. You know, we have a children's ministry that we're in need of right now. So how many in leadership? Good question, isn't it? Notice that in the census, people were counted. And in regard to the Levites, they had their own oh, Their count, own count, yeah. You know. So now, if we can set that up, Ryan, it sets us up for this. Once we get all of this in place and we do these things, now we have to, you have to literally take care of the congregation. Yeah. Because we can become, you know. Uh, do the work. Yeah, we can actually, yeah, do the work. But, but step four deals with, of course, uh, unclean people. And we need a healed congregation. Uh, unclean people are supposed to be put outside the camp. Now, we know that Beit Tehillah, or the church, is supposed to be a hospital for the sick and the hurting and, and those that are really, really, their lives have fallen apart. But we should not stay in a state of uncleanness. We should never stay there, okay? So once again, step one is the census, how many people. Step two is the arrangement, the placing of people in ministries and everything and, and where they're at. Uh, then you have the Levites that are set apart. Uh, that, that's actually the leadership and, and different ministries with duties. How many in leadership? Step four, unclean people. Uh, continuing on, it goes into, not only can you, can you be unclean in the church, but you can be a trespasser. Uh, there's restitution for trespassing against God and man. You know, Ryan, we can trespass against each other. And right. that creates the offense right. or the sin 
or the schism. And that's why we have to remedy that by, if you are offended, you go to your brother. Because many will be offended, betray, and hate one another. Uh, Matthew 24, 10, I believe that's where that's at. And we're seeing many people offended today in this world. So step four is about cleaning up the congregation. It's about dealing with these things that we all deal with. Very interesting. Because with that, you know, dealing with uncleanness and, and, and trespassing and hurting one another, now we go into, Ryan, this law of jealousy. Now, I would keep this in step four because it's about questioning people whether they're faithful or not. You know, as a pastor, yeah. I love faithful people. Mm-hmm. Loyalty, to me, is the most important thing. And, and, and loyalty can take, take people a long, long ways, Ryan. You know, you don't have to be the sharpest crayon in the box, the greatest speaker, you know. Uh, but, but the problem is today, even at church and building ministries and building the church up to, to make the congregation strong, our fidelity can be questioned. Yeah. You know, when you come and go or you come in late or you leave, you know, whatever, you know, your, your, your fidelity can be questioned, you know, and that's what that spirit of jealousy is really about. And that's one of the things that really hurts us here at Beit Tehila is, is a lack of commitment from those that could be committed could could join in there and lighten the load. Many hands make light work. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm not the type of leader or clergy uh, that wants to burn people out. Uh, even in regard to our nursery or, or whatever ministry, we don't want to burn people out. We want everybody to partic- participate, everybody to rotate out, everybody to get a chance. It's kind of like the 24 uh, divisions of the priest that David came up with, the priesthood, 24 divisions. So they were rotated out. And that's something you can study on your own. So there are the the four things. But step five, Ryan, here's where we go to the next level. Let's say we get cleaned up. Let's say that we're not trespassing. We we understand this. We're quick to repent. And and we're faithful. You don't have to question my faithfulness. Well, guess what? Boom. Step five is the Nazarite vow. You can really separate yourself and sanctify yourself through this Nazarite vow. What does that mean, people? It's not necessarily taking the Nazarite vow as a man or a woman, but it's like, you know what? I really want to separate myself, you know, and I know Ryan was sharing about uh, he's not eating much meat because he's separating himself. You know, he's making a distinction. He's changing things up. You know, maybe you're not watching as much television or whatever it is. You're, You're actually... Uh, putting more time in the kingdom or with God or with people. Yeah. Uh, so that is step five. And and I love this because step six is the ironic blessing. Then God says, I want you to put a blessing over my children. In my name. Because they've listened to my, yeah. you know, my, my voice. They've kept my commandments. I'm telling you, Ryan, this is a life changer yesterday for me. And, and it really helped me to understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling, why I was pressed to say these things and do these things. It's because the Father... He put it in me. Uh, last but not least, step number seven. It talks about the offerings of leadership, a higher standard, Ryan. When you're in leadership, you know, when, when you represent a, a ministry or whatever, you should be giving your best. You should be out giving everyone. And that's the thing that I've learned at, at, even in my position. Whoever gets the vision has to work the hardest. And so it's important that, that we reflect on that. So in, in closing here, I, I just want to close it out with a little review here. Uh, step one is about how many people are there in the movement, the census, uh, or in your church. Step two, the arrangement of these people, the placing of people. Uh, step three, the Levites are set apart. This is about leadership, different ministries with duties. Amen. How many in leadership? Step four, uh, it deals with, of course, becoming uh, clean after being unclean, because if you're unclean, you're put outside the camp. We don't want to do that. 
Uh, it talks about that we can trespass against each other in step four, uh, against God and man. And then, of course, we can have this law of jealousy. Uh, we can actually be questioned by those around us in the congregation that we're really not faithful. Our heart's really not in it. And so we want to make sure that we're not, we're not portraying that or exuding that. Amen. Step number five is the Nazarite vow, which is actually about separating and sanctifying yourself for the Lord, especially in the times in which we're living. The enemy wants to contaminate us. Uh, step number six, we have the Aaronic blessing over the children of Israel. What an incredible blessing that we have. And we, we pray that and, and sing that every Shabbat at the end of the service. How, how awesome is that? How encouraging is that, Ryan? And last but not least, we have the offerings of the leadership, a higher standard. Uh, so in closing, leaders solve problems. If you want to go into leadership, you got to want to be able to solve problems. So Ryan, that's all I have. Uh, what an awesome time we're having now, and, and, and I'm looking forward to the days ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're just coming out of the Omer season into the summer months, and this is a time where... Um, if you are not, you know, plugged into a local congregation, this is a time where you're going to want to definitely be plugged in. The summer months is, uh, when Moses went up the mountain and left the people behind and they, uh, ended up being left to their own devices. And, and in the end, they ended up making a golden calf and, uh, all kinds of craziness ensued, as you know. So, uh, it's a, it's a time to, to press into what God has for you, what he wants from you. Um, and to separate yourself from not other believers like us, but to separate yourself from the world and unto God. And part of that is getting plugged into a community. Uh, and if you don't have a Hebrew Roots congregation, um, you know I, I encourage that you find a, a group of people uh, or a, a Sunday church or something to get yourself plugged in so that you're serving in the body of Christ uh, and a member of a, of a local congregation where you have accountability and, and love and support and, and so on and so forth. So um, it's also, uh, now that we're done with the counting of the Omer, it's actually, you know, kind of feel like we should be counting day 52, uh, at this point. <laughs> oh no. Um, but, uh, but we're not going to, um, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you know, you've been doing something for 50 days every day and then now it's gone and you got to wait till next year. So, um, but praise God that's, uh, things are seasonal and, uh, you know, this too shall pass. Amen. So uh, if you guys need to reach out to us, you can email me at ryan at topraise.net, ryan at topraise.net. And then uh, if you want to reach out to the office for any resources or anything like that, you can call us at uh, 813-654-2222. And as always, our services are live streamed on Saturdays at 11 a.m. And you can find those at topraise.net and just uh, uh, click on the Watch Us Live link there on the site. Uh, bless you guys. Have a, a, a great week. And uh, we're just going to say the ironic blessing over you very quickly. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a great week.